business because we've never been more vital um, just to learn these basic rules again that if we didn't know them before you know don't listen to what they're saying just watch what they're doing you know don't um, don't uh, don't take at face value something that you get from a government official just because a government official is saying it. Those rules became very easy to remember all of a sudden again in the Trump administration, which is good. I'm really looking forward to Biden being boring. I mean, he sort of promised to be boring. So and am I. Is- and welcome to Flyover Politic Podcast, YouTube style. I'm Tony Reid. This is the ugly face. For those who've been listening for five years, that went with the podcast all along. And we start this, our very first YouTube, I guess we still call it a podcast, with Rachel Maddow. Because I decided to take baby steps, baby steps, and we're going to start just going with the worst of. As those that have followed me for five years on SoundCloud... I get most of my information from Twitchy, MRC, Searching the Web, and this show was pretty much brought to you by the Media Research Center, who brought together some really good sound bites to play out this horrible year that was 2020. Our first installment on this will be YouTube. It'll be videos played of the worst of the worst. Our second installment will be a more focused on things that sucked, and it'll be audio. Every time I do a YouTube video podcast, I'm going to break it down to audio and put it on SoundCloud. But every time I do a SoundCloud podcast, I'm not going to break it down and put it on YouTube as just an audio file. We'll just go with a short video file once a week and our two podcasts a week over there. So for those that have come over to watch, I don't expect this to be viral. This is the bunker I've talked about. Got to fix the backdrop. I don't like the tan. This right here doesn't look as good. So I'll probably bring some green camo up. But uh, Santa brought us the camera. Santa brought us the screen. That's as big as I can make the picture. The intro there, let's be honest, it came from free stuff. A bunch of free videos that I put together and made a intro from with our normal sounds over the front as spoken on the uh, SoundCloud podcast not going to be able to use a lot of music on this because of the bots that will tear you up but this is open source music for our opening and our ending our ending will also have some credits on it telling you where to go to find stuff about the show and pictures from my military career because I wanted to come up with something a little bit different to go with the awesome song which used to start our show me, I'm not by Nine Inch Nails, which is free. It's open source. That's made by somebody. It wasn't him, but 
that's how we put together our little things. It's not pretty. Cap wings on everything because I ain't going to pay money until I actually get a big enough audience and decide to, you know, make this uh, a bigger deal. Not saying I'm underselling it. That kind of sounds shitty, but I'm never going to go viral. This is for those that want to watch a different version, be able to watch some videos. And at the end of the show, as we close it out, I'll actually bring out my good old military pointer. Doink. And we're going to talk shit about a few people. We'll play and talk simultaneously. But we're going to start right off the bat with uh, going with the worst of 2020 crazy celebrity freakouts. That you was, know, that and, was, and I'm sick of, I'm just, I yeah. refuse to participate in post racial America. I refuse yeah. to say because we elected Obama that suddenly that means everything's okay. White people have changed. White people have not changed. Two thirds of all white guys voted for Trump. That means anytime you see three white guys walking at you down the street toward you, two of them voted for Trump. You need to move over to the other sidewalk because these are not good people yeah. that are walking towards you. You should be afraid of them. And the on third one probably says, I'm thinking about voting for Trump. Right. Yeah, the, th- well, no, the third one is yeah. you yeah, and me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> right. we're like, we're traitors. We're traitors to our race. That's how they see us, too, by the way. Right. You know. Stop fascism. We are at a point where we can. This is a crossroads. It's an existential crossroads. And. And we are people who can help determine which way humanity goes. What a great gift. What a tremendous opportunity. We're just so lucky. We have to use it with every ounce of intelligence and courage uh, and wherewithal we have. Because you're absolutely right. This is it. This is it. And, um, you know, I just think... um, COVID is God's gift to the left. People are getting restless, especially people who aren't too bright. In Florida on Saturday, I saw the hashtag Florida morons was trending, and I thought, well, that could mean a lot of things. But what it meant was this. The governor of Florida reopened the beach in Jacksonville, and of course, no one followed the rules. Fortunately, there are no old people living in Florida who might be at risk. So the governor of Georgia is planning to reopen tattoo parlors and bowling alleys this week, which I think that's on their state flag, right? And thousands of Americans in more than a dozen states have gathered to protest stay at home. Not too far from us in Huntington Beach, this brave woman fought passionately for her right to all 31 flavors. There were some very creative signs that illustrated this plight. Many are experiencing so powerfully, like I need a haircut, massage is essential, Jesus is my vaccine, and Buddha is my personal trainer, I think. I don't know. In Denver, Colorado, there was a standoff between protesters and an angry healthcare worker. Well, you know what they say, it ain't over till the fat lady screams crazy right-wing talking points at a medical professional who's trying to save their families' lives. I'm sorry to think these characters who support Trump might be suicidal. They seem to fight hardest for the things that will kill them. They want freedom to gather in large groups during an epidemic. They want guns. They want pollution. I figured it out. 
they want to die and they're taking us down with them. It's like if the Titanic was headed towards the iceberg and half of the passengers were like, can you please speed this thing up? But our president has full confidence that what these protesters are doing is not a problem. Are you concerned, though, that people coming out in protest are going to spread uh, COVID to other people? They're congregating in ways that health experts have said they should not. No, these are people expressing their views. I, I see where they are and I see the way they're working. They seem to be very responsible people to me. Yes, yes, they are very responsible. They are very responsible for spreading a deadly virus. It, it seems particularly cruel to have something that affects your voice well, first, beyond before really even anything else. It's a strain on my family relations because some of my family in Tucson are Republicans. <laughs> and instead of talking about that, we'd sing together and we'd have a great time. That, the singing is what <laughs> brought your family together. Yeah. So, what, so now that you don't have singing... Well, what? now I have to be careful because we've had so much taken away from us by this administration that I don't, I'm not willing to let them take my family relationships away. My family were... The parts that were Republican were fairly rational Republicans. We don't have that in our current current White House. So so you can still have family gatherings. It's just a little more strained. I try to just hum a little harmony someplace in the corner. <laughs> to yourself. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've read that you have read a lot about the, the uh, about uh, the, the the Weimar Republic in Germany, and you sort of see parallels between then and now. Well, great parallels. I mean, the intelligentsia of Berlin and the literati and the, all the artists were just busy doing their thing. And there were a lot of chances, as Hitler rose to power, there were a lot of chances to stop him, and they didn't speak out. And the industrial complex thought that they could control him once they got him in office, and of course he was not controllable. And by the time he got established, he put his own people in place and, you know, stacked the courts and did what he had to do to consolidate his power. And we got Hitler, and he destroyed Germany. He destroyed centuries of intellectual history, forward and backward. The, you know, the people like Beethoven and Goethe and Thomas Mann, became jokes, they became Nazi laughingstock. I think a lot of people, though, would, would would be surprised to hear comparisons between what happened then and, and, and now. If you read the history, you won't be surprised. It's exactly the same. Get, get, get Find a common enemy for everybody to hate when... I was sure that Trump was going to get elected the day he announced. And I said, he's gonna, it's going to be like Hitler and the Mexicans are the new Jews. Hmm. And sure enough, that's what he delivered, you know? She's a lot more to say. She's a remarkable artist and person. The CNN film on Linda Ronstadt's life and oh. You heard about my ex-boyfriend, right? 50 Cent and his support of of, of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, what's going on between you? I, I saw your tweets and I go, wait, what's happening? Because you said he was your favorite ex-boyfriend. And then he, what does he do? He's supporting Trump? He says he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes, which, by the way, isn't a plan of, of Joe Biden's. That's, that's, that's a lie. So he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes because he doesn't want to go from being 50 cents to 20 cents. <laughs> and, I, and I had to remind him that he was a black person, so he can't vote for Donald Trump and that he shouldn't be influencing an entire swath of people who may listen to him because he's worried about his own personal pocketbook. So... I haven't heard back from him yet, but I, I am willing to, you know, seal the deal in more ways than one if he changes his mind and publicly denounces Donald Trump. I might be willing to go for another spin, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Acquitted doesn't mean you didn't commit a crime. Three words. O.J. Simpson. <laughs> this is coming out of my ear. Oh, 
I'm crazy. Is that today. your earpiece? I'm crazy today. He's made me crazy this week. <laughs> I mean, I'm really getting. He's winning because yeah. I'm getting nuttier and nuttier. Uh, yesterday was a an example of of insanity. For me, he's now not only president local, he is impeached president local. <laughs> yeah. This pressure that was over an hour at the White House, surrounded by these Republicans that looked at him the way my five-pound poodle looks at me when she wants a treat. You know, yeah. oh, please say my name, say my yeah. name. And these, these, uh, these pathetic Republican uh, group yesterday at that meeting, Mark yeah. Meadows, oh, as you say, they're like little dogs over yeah. there. Give me a treat, give me a treat, well, you know. We had a lot of crazy, evil stuff coming down. And once again, remember, it is the right that are all... Just a bunch of ISIS members, so says Brian Seltzer from our last one. But that was some Rose McGowan. We had uh, Howard Stern, Pink Floyd, Roger Waters. But it started with Michael Moore, the sloth, Joy Behar, an evil sycophus, my favorite, Jane Fonda. I mean, you know I love her as a vet because she's such a great patriot. Fucking piece of shit. Rob Reiner, uh, let's see, Sarah Silverman, we had a soundbite from Linda Ronstadt, that piece of crap Jimmy Kimmel that could go in blackface, but you can't, just remember that, you're the racist, he's not, he's woke. Um, great soundbites, there's so many just weirdos that it's hard to really grasp how they get away with it, but you and I misgender somebody and you lose your career your social media footprint, you're just gone. Our next will be media gushing over the liberal heroes. Of course, we're going to have to start us with some Van Jones, because you know that guy, and Joe Scarborough and that piece of crap Donnie Deutsch. We'll have a nice soundbite by John Meacham, who worked for the campaign, but he's also in the media. Do that on the right. Donate on the right. You're no longer a journalist. We have the, uh, my God, how many freaking Yamichiel cinders did we do this year? Our tax-paying dollars pay for that activist. We have, uh, let's see, uh, April Ryan. Oh, she was a winner, winner, chicken dinner. And we'll have Charlotte Alter and close with the usual weirdos. No, I'm sorry, we won't close. Uh, we'll do an Anderson Cooper hit. Um... Oh, God, this one's long. Terry Moran, another Meacham, and it looks like it closed with Vaughn Hillier on MSDNC. So you enjoy this. Buckle up. It's going to hurt. Look, I mean, it was a beautiful speech. Both of them, uh, they strengthen each other. Uh, they, 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 they're both steadier together. They're both stronger together. That was such a beautiful thing to see. I think if you're going to give a, a headline today, it would be hope reborn. That's what I felt. Hope reborn. God bless Pete Buttigieg, but he kind of talks at the level of Mr. Rogers. And with that sort of po- like composure and poise, and he just did it up here on the stage in New Hampshire. I saw him did stumble it like, just for a beat during his speech tonight, and I thought, I've never seen that. I've never seen him pause 
in any sort of awkward way, and he did that tonight. He's always so on. And if you go back and read the transcript of his speech, it's like he typed it out, and he has the comma and everything perfectly because he speaks in perfect sentences. It's impressive. He's an amazing human being. I mean, and like conversationally, like it's that's the one part I'd like to get to that point where we get to know the Pete Buttigieg a little bit more. We haven't quite had. I wonder that what point. there is to get to know. When I was talking to his advisors, they said this is who he is. This this right here, what you see on stage is Pete Buttigieg. There's nothing more. <laughs> speechless. But that's Von Hilliard was never speechless. Right? I mean, in yeah. a long campaign, don't you have to show that part of yourself eventually? Like, how long can you be would go. the TV character version of yourself? And I don't mean that mm -hmm. in a derogatory way, but... But people are looking at him as, uh, oftentimes you hear, as, especially these older voters who he's doing well with, is their son, or the person that they want their son or daughter to be friends with, or date. And I think that is the part that makes him so compelling to these people, is that he is that guy that everybody wanted their kid to be friends but young with school people with. Are why doesn't our generation vote in large numbers? It's a great question. I think that it's because, first of all, millennial turnout did double in the 2018 midterms from 2014. So it's certainly going in the right direction. But one reason is that Barack Obama was such a transformative figure for people, and he was, for many people our age, their first president that they really got behind. And he made voting into an act of love. So I don't think that millennials think of voting as their duty. They think of it as something that they only do for somebody that they really care about and really believe in. And that makes it really hard for somebody like a Michael Bloomberg or a Joe Biden to attract millennial voters. Because the deficit of decency, the deficit of hope, the, the ascendance of fear, the ascendance of selfishness that we have seen in this country will not totally end. Uh, with any single election, but a single election can surely help. And what was on the ballot here was decency and democracy and empathy. And Joe Biden is particularly well equipped for this moment. He's not perfect. He'd be the last person on the planet to tell you he was perfect. There are vices, but there are virtues here, and they are deeply human virtues. They are deeply American virtues. And I think it's wonderfully poetic that it was Pennsylvania that has ended what President Ford in another context called our long national nightmare, because it was in Philadelphia that as Benjamin Franklin left the Constitutional Convention in that fabled story, and an important woman in Philadelphia said, what will it be, Mr. Franklin? Have you given us a republic or a monarchy? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. The republic is being kept today. And if there's anyone that can heal this country, it is someone that has been through the pain, has had to grow, because we fought over the crime bill 30 years ago, and he's grown. And I think that you have the poetry of him winning in his home state, where, from Scranton, Pennsylvania, but you also have the poetry of here was a man who was the vice president to the first black man that was president that is now bringing in the first black woman to be vice president. He is the bridge to bring this country together because he has served the black and now has a black woman that will serve with him. And this is the kind of healing we want. I was in the room, Joe and Mika, when, and, 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 and I think this is important. I was there when he met with George Floyd's family. Uh, the day before the funeral in Houston. And only Joe Biden could show the empathy and compassion and took George Floyd's young daughter to the side 
and talked to her one-on-one like she was the head of state. And she said to him, you know, my dad's going to change the world. And he's quoted that everywhere. That's the kind of man we need to bring this country together. We're not going to always agree, but we're going to have to trust the one that convenes us. And I think he's earned our trust because he understands pain. We've been talking an awful lot over the past three and a half years and certainly over the past weeks about living in a divided nation. And there's no getting around it. We are a divided country. But there's a cause for this. There's a reason for this. And one of the biggest reasons is that every single day, every single hour of nearly every single day for the last three and a half years, we have been led by a president who has gone out of his way to create division in this country. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when you have Joseph R. Biden assume the presidency, a man directly opposite to the nature, the personality, and the moral code of the incumbent president of the United States. Yeah, uh, talking about 1776, he said, what we do the next 76 days will echo through generations to come. That's a theme he repeated uh, actually twice in this speech. I mean, uh, Neil Malika Henderson, a history-making speech from Kamala Harris, and really a history-shaking speech by uh, President Obama. Just an extraordinary speech. You know, Anderson, in just watching this unfold tonight, I have to say that watching Barack Obama, this was not a convention speech. This was sort of the new definition of the fierce urgency of now. And I could see him uh, in the Oval Office. It was intimate and it was chilling and he was declaring a national emergency. And what he was doing was saying, I need you to save democracy, nothing less. Yes, he talked about what he believes, et cetera, et cetera. But this was on a higher plane. This was the emergency. And he is saying, you know, you've got to do this now. And you could you could see it in his voice. In, you could see yeah, it in him. Ju- let me just read a couple of lines yeah, that everything yeah. depends on the outcome of this election. Yes. 76 days. Do not let them take away your power. Do not let them take away your democracy. Make a plan right now. He talked to to white factory workers, to black mothers, right. to new immigrants, to, to young people. Uh, and again, he repeated that refrain, what we do echoes through the generation. Right. And, and so, he, so he's saying, don't let them do this to our country. They can't take the democracy away from us. And so this was sort of a, a, a cri de corps. I don't know what you want to call it, but, but a president talking to the country, former president talking to the country and declaring an emergency. Good morning, Whit. And what a life it was, what a legacy it was. The flags here uh, at half staff, people still gathering here in the just after dawn light at the Supreme Court. Justice Ruth Ginsburg, one of those Americans, and there aren't many really, who through force of character and her brilliant intellect was able to expand our understanding of those bedrock constitutional ideals, equality and liberty. She was born into a very different America where liberty and basic opportunity and human dignity for women look very, very different than they do today. And that change came about in large part because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her character, her intellect, her fierce determination to see the words equality and liberty made real for Americans changed America.
Overnight, crowds gathered on the steps of the Supreme Court to mourn the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg at 87 years old. So many young people there saying goodbye to a most improbable pop icon. Ginsburg dealt with complications from metastatic pancreatic cancer. She spent her last moments surrounded by family at her home in Washington, D.C. Tributes pouring in overnight. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi writing, Every woman and girl, and therefore every family in America, has benefited from her brilliance. Former President Bill Clinton, who appointed her, saying, Her landmark opinions moved us closer to a more perfect union. Ginsburg's life was astonishing. Justice Ginsburg, will you... Barely five feet tall, a diminutive woman who fought through barriers of discrimination and became a giant of American law and American life. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. The notorious RBG, she came to be known by a younger generation, only the second woman named to the Supreme Court, serving there for more than a quarter century. Her path to the highest court in the land was not easy. As one of the few women at Harvard Law School, she then faced discrimination after graduating from Columbia in the 1950s. She was one of nine women in a class of 500. She was tied for first in her class. And the big New York City law firms just weren't hiring women. So Ginsburg turned to civil rights law, and she engineered a brilliant legal strategy, arguing and winning five cases before the Supreme Court, fighting discrimination against women in the workplace and elsewhere in society. Ginsburg went on to serve as a federal appeals court judge in the nation's capital. Until that life... Ginsburg went on to serve as a federal appeals court judge... I am proud to nominate for associate justice of the Supreme Court... Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The Senate confirmed her in a sweeping 96 to 3 vote, and she quickly began making her mark in historic cases. Yeah, right, right. Well, I want to show you something. Have you seen the shirt? It's the next step. Oh, I have not. Look at yes, that. Yes, David Franklin told me to let you see this, and I, I said I can't wear it, I can't endorse, but it, a lot of people feel very good that history is here. And I'm going to say this, for 23 years I've been at the White House and I've seen history. I've seen the first black president of the United States of America. And I called him Mr. President. But if you come there in January and I get to raise, please answer my question if I raise my hand, I get to say Madam Vice President. Do you know that sends chills through me? And you look like me. Does that give you chills? I feel a great sense of responsibility. And, um, you know, when I look at your daughters, I feel that sense of, that sense of responsibility very deeply. Um, and, you know, like my mother said, you may be the first to do many things, make sure you're not the last. So that's how I think of this moment. So let's just get this thing done, 43 days. Let's get and it done. And we take what mamas say like gold. Yes, I appreciate do. you. You run Thank in your you. Converse and you run in your Timberlands and you run in H.U. I'm Morgan. You know. <laughs> let me tell you something. I'm a Morgan bear. Bears eat bison. Now, take oh, that. Oh, the anyway. other H.U. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be well. And, and I, I pray all goes well. And um, I can't endorse. But what I say is if I get to say Madam Vice President, that's going to send chills through me. That's all I'm going to say. Peace be unto you. It's good to be with you. Peace be unto you, too. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Senator Kamala Harris, uh, vice presidential running mate with Joe Biden. This has been COVID Conversations. I am so pleased today. I can, 
I, I don't know. I'm just feeling good. <laughs> this was a long time. I had to fight for this, but it was worth it, Senator. Thank you. I'll see you soon, April. Thank Bye. You. Be well. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Go vote, everyone. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Don't forget, voting is the key. Voting is the key. Vote, 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 vote. If you have to do early voting, we suggest you do early voting because of COVID, okay? Former First Lady Michelle Obama said, take your lunch, your dinner, and your breakfast if you have to. We've seen the polls. We've seen Kentucky. We've seen Georgia, how people had to wait in line, how people had to bang on the doors to get in. This is an important election. I remember hearing people saying, oh, this is the most important election of our time. No, this one is about life or death. You hear people say, what do you have to lose? We got everything to lose. We are losing everything. This is a moment we've never seen before. And we've got to rise up. If you know people who have never voted or, or are able to vote and just have it, you better ignite them. Because if you don't vote, you're going to get exactly what you don't want. And at the end of the day, democracy is leaving what will it look like if you stay in the same course? I've heard from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, former National Security Advisor Susan Rice, who also was the former UN ambassador. She said right now, both of them said, right now we are at a point where we could fix things. But if you do it another four years, it's irreparable damage. Irreparable meaning you can't fix this. And right now, the genie is out of the bottle, and the bottle's been broken, but they think they got a way to fix it. Um, I don't know if it's just a sign of this moment, but to talk about diplomacy being back, to talk about Joe Biden's empathy and humanity, to talk about diplomacy being back, it is all an implicit rebuke of Donald Trump's foreign policy stewardship over the last four years. That's right. And in just saying that they're going to do their jobs and um, be good stewards of America's role in this world and um, focus on American diplomacy, that in and of itself, um, being a rebuke of President Trump, is uh, underscores what we've been all been living through in the last four years, which is a president who wanted to be more isolationist, who wanted to pull back. Um, what we saw today, I was, I was sitting in that room in Wilmington, um, I was thinking about the fact that Joe Biden, in some ways, first supporters, is fulfilling the promises that he made on the campaign trail. He said he wanted to have a cabinet that looked like America. And there were people there on that stage, of course, talking about all of their different accolades and their experience, but they were also talking about their families who survived the Holocaust, who survived coming from Cuba and fleeing communists, who talked about um, having gumbo diplomacy, cooking food, cooking Southern food, as, as the mm -hmm. United Nations ambassador was saying. Um, all of those things are what America's yeah. about. It's this melting pot. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. Uh, Justice Gin Ginsburg, as has already been said this hour, famously said she had three strikes against her when out of law school and looking for work. Uh, she was a woman, she was a working mom, and she was a Jew. And I'd like to begin by talking about her Jewish faith, which was so important to her. I was reminded tonight that in the Jewish, Jewish faith, those who die on Rosh Hashanah are mm -hmm. believed to be uh, blessed with a, an extra type of divine righteousness. It was um, mm -hmm. deeply a part of who she was as a thoroughly modern figure and as a woman like Justice O'Connor, despite having 
sterling, first-class credentials, a huge intellect, uh, had such a hard time breaking in. And isn't it amazing that it was all the day before yesterday? Uh, we're honoring a woman who faced those barriers uh, 20 minutes ago. And like John Lewis, uh, like Justice O'Connor, uh, someone who we were able to watch move from a place of exclusion and of limited opportunity to the pinnacle of power. And once at the pinnacle of power, always remembered from whence she came and how she had to open the path for others. And I think that part of the legacy here uh, for Justice Ginsburg is her life now becomes part of a living debate in the life of the country. If there's one thing we learned in 2020 is the media hates Trump. Well, we already knew that because he hated him at 16, 17, 18, and 19. But he, they really, really hate you. And in almost every soundbite I'll play from the next one, which is loathing Team Trump, to the TDS that we've had in this last year, it is a stark reminder of what I said for four years on the show. They hate you. They hate religion. They hate your own guns. They hate pretty much everything. It'll always be hate because you don't vote like them. And that's what it really comes down to. So in this next soundbite, oh, the winner, winner, chicken dinners we're going to have. If you defend Trump now, your family name shall be shamed forever. That was on Joe Scarborough's show. We have an Oberman. You expect that. Only Bible-believing boomer rubes would vote for Trump. That was Don Lemon. Yeah. Chuck Todd. Oh, you got to know the guy who's in charge of politics for the National Broadcasting Company. Would be a libtard. Um, we have Donnie Deutsch. We have an Oberman. And there's so many on the backside. The new chick over there. What the hell's her name? Tiffany Cross closes this. Just loathing. And this is supposed to be... Remember... We're going to do on our podcast today a whole section that kind of dovetails off Seltzer's new thing about the radicalization of anybody who doesn't watch CNN and believe what he believes. Tell me, boys and girls, that these monkeys are not radical. Kelly has a master's degree in European studies from Cambridge University. Right. Also, he doesn't really say that she couldn't identify Ukraine on a map. He insinuates it's just a pet, it, it's just a petty attempt to put her down, right? Do, do, is that what this is? Of course, of course. It, it, it's it's a it's he's just trying to demean her, and it, obviously it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one. And they're y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. You, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling. Even though my path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. You know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. 
Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, oh my God! But, but, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you know, but, but in all honesty, but all, blame you know what Rick. NPR should Why do? Why not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you me a second. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry, Rick. You, that you, was a good one. I needed that. Okay, so listen. Can, Let's can get I tell back you what? Business here. But can I tell you what NPR should do? NPR. <laughs> NPR should take a black Sharpie, circle it all around that whole subcontinent, around Bangladesh and Ukraine, and just be like, there, there's Ukraine, right in the middle. All right, so just in honor of Donald Trump. A U with a crane on it. That is hilarious. Yeah. We don't know scale. how this ends in the Senate. They'll, uh, these, these shameless Trumpsters will remain shameless Trumpsters. But we do know how the story ends. We do know how history writes this. That we we know. know that everyone who defends Donald Trump right now will be exposed. We know Mike Pence will be exposed for what he is. We know that Barr will be exposed for what he is. We know that all of these characters, Rudy Giuliani, will be exposed for what he is. The history, mm -hmm. it will be bleak. And, and their families, their children, their grandchildren, Everyone who has their last name will carry that around with them if if they decide to continue lying for a failed reality TV host who will show them no loyalty. Loyalty only goes one way with Donald Trump. And that's what I find so remarkable here that all of these people who are going to be called out. I promise you, I say this to you as your buddy, you're going to be called out. Joe, you days. might as well do what Lev did and come clean. Mike Pence, history's going to record your deeds. Maybe listen Get to your wife. in front of them. No need to talk to Barr. Hmm. He's corrupt to the... Trump can be and must be expunged. The hate he has triggered, the Pandora's box he has opened, they will not be so easily destroyed. So, let us brace ourselves. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. And then he, and his enablers, and his supporters, and his collaborators, and the Mike Lees, and the William Barrs, and the Sean Hannity's, and the Mike Pence's, and the Rudy Giuliani's, and the Kyle Rittenhouse's, and the Amy Coney Barrett's, must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it and to rebuild the world Trump has nearly destroyed by turning it over to a virus. A note about the handmade Supreme Court Justice, Amy Coney Barrett was not just in the fundamentalist sect upon which The Handmaid's Tale was based, loosely. She was in fact, her title was in fact, handmaid, we are told. God damn it! When the policy differences are between maintaining American democracy and substituting racist one-party rule, you're goddamned right that we want to criminalize policy differences that might exist between the outgoing administration and the administration that is about to take over. We not only want that, 
when it comes to an outgoing administration which is criminally guilty of trying to privatize the government, which is criminally negligent in the deaths of 250,000 Americans so far, and which is criminally liable for the current attempted coup. We also want as many members as possible of this corrupt, immoral, anti-democratic outgoing administration indicted, arrested, tried, and imprisoned. We want enough of them in there that they can hold reunions and birthday parties. We want the prisons so filled with Trumps and Trump flunkies and Trump apologists and Trump enablers that we have to convert Trump buildings into new goddamned Trump prisons. This morning, Meet the Press takes an in-depth look at our post-truth society and how a changing media landscape has created chaos out of order. You've probably never heard of a town in Macedonia called Valles. This is the town where BuzzFeed discovered what was essentially a fake news farm. Some 140 websites pushing out made-up pro-Trump, quote, news stories, written for Americans not to help to elect Trump, uh, the candidate, but simply uh, to make money on Facebook. Well, since then, the idea of fake news has become a growth industry, morphing from simply a get-rich-quick scheme in a former Yugoslav republic to a political weapon in our nationalized politics. The terms, alternative facts, and truth isn't truth, debuted here on Meet the Press over the last couple of years, but these ideas are not new. I want to read you guys a letter to the editor that we found in the Lexington Herald Leader. It was a fascinating attempt at trying to explain why um, some people support President Trump. Here's what he says. Why do good people support Trump? It's because people have been trained from childhood to believe in fairy tales. This set their minds up to accept things that make them feel good. The more fairy tales and lies he tells, the better they feel. Show me a person who believes in Noah's Ark, and I will show you a Trump voter. It, 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 look, this gets at something, Dean, that, that my executive producer likes to say is, hey, voters want to be lied to sometimes. They, they, don't, they don't always love being told hard truths. In much of the Democratic Party, it's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. Growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump. Our family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. And that's why I believe the next American century can be better than the last. That was not a Saturday Night Live sketch. Welcome back to AM Joy. I'm Tiffany Cross. If you watched the Republican National Convention last week, you'd almost think that the Republican Party is the one welcoming people of color, given the big display of diversity. The convention featured more than a dozen African-American speakers alone. But don't be fooled that the party of Trump has suddenly warmed to the same people Trump's policies and sometimes his rhetoric directly harms. As friend of the show, Ellie Massal wrote so eloquently in The Nation, the Republicans invited a cadre of professional black friends to validate Donald Trump and make white people feel a little less racist while still very much supporting white supremacy. I mean, I watched the Republican convention and seeing the slew of black speakers that they had, it really did look like a modern day minstrel show. Our next vignette, dramatic pause, is silliest analysis. Now, if 2020 taught us anything, everybody who's liberal knows everything about science. They just don't know biology. 
You know, we can't have biology. You know, you name a child at birth or gender it, you're a piece of freaking human filth. And they all became epidemiologists overnight. The second thing we learned is that Trump, anybody who votes for Trump, anybody in a red state, you don't believe in science. Because you're God stuff. I mean, for Christ's sake, we just had Nancy Pelosi say it on the House floor. That these people with their faith. Their faith. Yeah. They're the reasons why they couldn't even pass a stimulus. So we could not go without the silliest analysis for 2020. The real reckoning of our age, maybe of our lifetimes, is not only whether we will prevail over the virus. It's whether our respect for science and our collective will, so muscular during the crisis, will prevail when we reboot and rebuild. Looking back, Mother Earth was starting to clear her throat and make herself heard. Australian bushfires were ravaging the continent. Earth had registered its highest temperatures since records began. Icebergs and glaciers melted, popsicles in the sun. Maybe the biggest decision of all, now that the planet has essentially hissed, I will not be ignored, how do we confront the climate emergency? There were protests in several other cities yesterday as well, most of them peaceful, although an officer was attacked with a cane in San Diego. The National Guard was called in to help keep the peace in Kenosha as Blake's family demands answers. CNN's Omar Jimenez is on the ground for us in Kenosha. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the course of the night, a second night since Jacob Blake was seen shot in the back seven times by a police officer. And what you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. It wasn't until night fell that things began to get a little bit more contentious. Things were thrown back and forth. Police started using some of those crowd dispersal tactics like tear gas, even playing uh, very loud sounds to push them out and then what you are seeing the common theme that ties all of this together is an expression of anger and frustration over what people feel like has become an all too familiar story playing out in places from across the country not just here in Kenosha Wisconsin Christine Laura let's talk to you about Italy you know obviously that country its people have been devastated by the coronavirus but there is a little bit of a silver lining in some of its historic cities this is Venice and for the first time you guys have been to Venice you can never see the the waters because they're so murky from all the boats uh, this time now you can see the crystal clear waters of the Venice canals you can see fish swimming around in the canals uh, that's pretty amazing and pretty remarkable for those of you who visited Venice and check this out I'm no Lonnie Quinn or Jeff Beardelli but this is a map a satellite map showing you the level of Pollution that has gone away in the last three months because of the reduction of emissions across northern Italy. So there is a bit of a silver lining, even though our hearts go out to our world citizens there uh, going through this pandemic in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very unusual and unprecedented time for our country. As I came on the air tonight with, with you at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as I said to you, there are 40 million Americans tonight who are out of work. There are more than 100,000 Americans who have lost their lives to COVID-19. There are people who are upset about the death, 
millions of Americans and people around the world about the, seeing the death of a man uh, at the hands of a police officer uh, on videotape. And we don't know what's happening in this country right now. Perhaps this is uh, some sort of mechanism for a restructure in our country or for some sort of change in our country for us to deal with whatever we need to deal with in this country. I'm at a loss for words. As a person who is sitting here guiding you through this, I really don't know what to say at this moment except for this is America. This is where our country, this is what it has come to right now. And I am wondering who is going to step into the void and, and call for some calm and try to pull us all together instead of dividing us. This is a deep division that is in our country. And you're looking at all different demographics on the left hand of your screen going into that store and taking things out. I haven't seen this since, since Rodney King, to be frank with you. And no one condones what's happening in, in, the, these, in this video or in these live pictures that are coming into, coming into us from Los Angeles. This is actually quite sad to watch. And it is an indication indicative of the pain and the sadness in this country of people who feel that they have no other alternative but to exhibit this behavior in our country. No other option. When you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to lose. No call for calm. Americans coming together. We are all one. Not that I have heard of. I sure would like to hear that. I sure would like to hear that we are all Americans and we, we all need to stick together. We all need to come together. Because if we can't live together as Americans, then what do we have? Do we ha even have a country anymore? This is unbelievable what is happening here. Unbelievable. When did this country get out of control? When did we lose control of this country? When did we cease to be a country, a group of people who wanted to at least live together in spite of the differences? Because of our differences, isn't that the whole reason for the thing that we are here because we want because we are different that we're, we're supposed to try this grand experiment and let's not forget if anyone is judging this I'm not judging this I'm just wondering what is going on because we were supposed to figure out this experiment a long time ago our country was started because this is how the Boston Tea Party rioting. So don't do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before. And then this is so terrible. And where are we and these savages and all of that? This is how this country was started.
But we thought that we had at least figured it out and gotten beyond that, where we could live together in some sort of democracy. But this is not democracy. This is not democracy. This is, quite frankly, anarchy. And so far, silence. I would love to hear from some Republican leaders. Call, please call in and talk to me. I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I really do. And I want to hear a message of hope. What do we do? I am a cable news anchor, and I am trying to figure out what we do. I cannot be the only person, the only voice, who are calling for people to come together and who are call, who's calling for peace. Look at this. Are you watching, America? Are you watching? Do you see this? Can you please help me? Can you? The time is now. So in that beautiful piece, uh, as you saw, looting and rioting are like the Boston Tea Party, including all the burning shit down and beating people. That's our forefathers and shit. Every other time our forefathers are racist pieces of dung. But yeah, now they're good people. I'm sorry, son, we're screwed. It's all up for you. Bill Weir, which wasn't featured, but that knucklehead, my God in heaven. He even tried a border show and made it about climate change, and that didn't work too good. You had Vladimir Druthers in there from CBS. He was your second one. The first one you saw was John Wirtman from CBS. We have, of course, fiery but mostly peaceful protester. If there's something you can take away from 2020, if you're a conservative and you decide to go out and protest anything, you're a white supremacist, knuckle-dragging piece of crap who's un-American. But if you're progressive and you go down and burnt shit down, burnt shit down, Oh, you're a good person. That's freedom of speech. We could not do a show without TDS. And here's our TDS. This is long, folks. You're going to have Lemon. It's going to start with that piece of crap, O'Donnell. We even have a hardball. Yeah, remember he used to be out there. We have a lot of MSNBC in here, which is really surprising. But Scarborough's there. You have a Crystal Knight from PBS, Christina Amamamamamapur. We have a uh, whole panel on Mr. Cooper's show. And a great section from CNN again, The Morning Show. Gotta love all those turds. Uh, you'll have some New Yorker going on, Ryan Lizza. We'll have some View. And we'll have some Decision Desk and Van Jones. Berman again. Scarborough, Jake Tapper, which we're going to live stream and talk about a Jake Tapper soundbite because it's just too good not to do. So this one you might want to take a couple aspirins before because it's going to hurt. We begin tonight with another test of America's ability to be shocked by Donald Trump, who has very deliberately shocked America to the point where he hopes that shock has been replaced by acceptance. The president is a Russian operative. That sounds like the description of a bad Hollywood screenplay, but it is real. And it is Vladimir Putin's greatest achievement. Decades after America's victory in the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union, the president of the United States 
is now helping the president of Russia help the president of the United States to get reelected so that the president of Russia will have four more years of the president of the United States who he wants in the Oval Office. This is one of those shocking news days, if you retain the capacity to be shocked in the Trump era by the Trump regime, which might be better labeled the Trump-Putin regime. And it's one of those breaking news situations that suddenly makes recent news make more sense, like the recent news that Donald Trump has outdone himself by appointing one of the most ridiculous incompetent stooges in the Trump administration to be nothing less than the acting director of national intelligence. The president gave that job to his current ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who intends to remain ambassador to Germany while being the acting director of national intelligence. And Richard Grinnell will be replacing Joseph McGuire, who was serving as an acting director of national intelligence. And he expected to be nominated by the president to be confirmed by Mitch McConnell's Senate as the official director of national intelligence until Vladimir Putin showed Donald Trump that he needed an even more incompetent director of national intelligence because Vladimir Putin is working hard to reelect his favorite president of the United States in history. I think some of the headlines actually do a disservice here. Just calling the debate chaotic, as the Wall Street Journal did, it's inaccurate. There are really no both sides here. One person drove this event to the gutter, and that was the president. If it was a train wreck, it was the president who crashed the train. If it was an S show, as our friend Dana Bash said, it was the president who took the dump. But what is being talked about is excessive force, fundamentally excessive force. And so your solution to trying to show top down what the government's stance is on excessive force is to violate, one's, violate the Constitution and the First Amendment and then to use excessive force to make your point. It is absurd is what it is. And then you've got the notion that in the one hand is in a speech, John, he wasn't talking about the First Amendment. He kind of signaled, and your Second Amendment rights, as if that was supposed to be some way of conveying or insinuating something. Maybe it was dog whistling. I don't know what it was. But what it was not was the leader of the executive branch of government, whose job it is to enforce the law, and the president of the United States, arguing instead, as commander-in-chief, to look at protest through the prism of combat and threaten to send in the military. It is something that we'll never, we, I have never seen before. Many people looking at this and wondering and disoriented, what country is this? What sidewalk was that? Because surely it couldn't have been in front of the White House, which I know we've always termed the people's house. It wasn't yesterday. People were gassed. And why? For a selfie equivalent? It's absurd. Bakari, uh, it doesn't feel like anything is de-escalating. As Laura points out, the president is threatening to call in active military to crack down, a la Tiananmen Square. And the protesters don't want to stop protesting until meaningful change is made. President, president Trump spoke today with the venom of a black mamba witch hunt. Evil, corrupt, dirty cops, leakers, liars, disgrace. These were the viperous words he spewed in the White House East Room on a day he'd begun at a prayer breakfast. As I jotted down Trump's words, I wonder what they would mean in a country where the targets 
of such invective were not protected by a constitution such as ours. They sounded like the language of a dictator unleashing a violent purge that his targets would be unlikely to survive. I have never heard an American president or any figure in our country declare his anger at so many. For the Democrats, this is what it means. They don't know who they're running for president. They do know who they're running against. Not just Donald Trump, but this Donald Trump. I, I, all I have to say is, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, you know, Fidel Castro, Julius Caesar, Mobutu Sese Seiko. Um, that was not an American president giving an acceptance speech. That was a monarch. It was, it was very much like what Castro used to do, an hour and 10 minutes that clocked in of just, you know, it wasn't, he, it wasn't a usual Trump speech with his ad libs and sort of the, he did the sort of humor kind of thrown into it. It was, he said, the fact is I'm here and they're not. He made the White House into the Trump palace. If, if democracy in America ever falls and we become a complete autocracy with a decrepit leader and his corrupt family moving their trunks into the White House and never leaving, if we become a, if we become the old DRC, you know, or we become what Brazil is now, if we just fall as a democracy, tonight is what it will look like. This is what it will look like to have a decrepit, corrupt monarch. This was a crime. Every cabinet member that was sitting there was violating the Hatch Act. Ivanka Trump was violating the Hatch Act. This was repugnant to see a, a, a campaign sign festooned on our property on the White House with a big iron gate outside so that the people can't even come in. This was repugnant. This was the, this would be the end of America. If this is what we're gonna be, this won't be a democracy. That's a monarchy. It was repugnant. CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States. And Jake, he is now president-elect Joe Biden. What a moment in history. We have all been waiting on the edges of our seats since Tuesday. It is the end, the end of a tumultuous presidency, a time of some accomplishments, no question, a time where many Americans throughout the country and <clears throat> in shuttered steel towns and in rural America, they felt for the first time, they felt heard, which is important, but it is also, Wolf, it has also been a time of, of extreme divisions, many of the divisions caused and exacerbated by President Trump himself. It's been a time of several significant and utterly avoidable failures, most tragically, of course, the unwillingness to respect facts and science and do everything that could be done to save lives during a pandemic. It has been a time where truth and fact were treated with disdain. It is a time of cruelty where official inhumanity, such as child separation, became the official shameful policy of the United States. But now the Trump presidency is coming to an end, to an end with so many squandered opportunities and ruined potential, but also an era of just plain meanness. It must be said, to paraphrase President Ford, for tens of millions of our fellow Americans, their long national nightmare is over. <clears throat> it's, um... Well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier... To, it's easier to tell your kids 
Character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters. And it's easier for a whole lot of people. If you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or send, send dreamers back for no reason. This is vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. That was a lot of people that felt that they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know. And you're going to the store and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you. And you're worried about your kids and you're worried about your sister. And, and can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal for us just to be able to get some peace and, 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 and have a chance for, for, for a reset. And, and the character of the country matters. And, 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 and being a good man matters. I, you know, I just want my sons to, to look at this. Look at this. You know, it's easy to, to, to do it the, the cheap way and, 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 and get away with stuff. But it comes back around. It comes back around. And it's a good day for this country. I, I'm sorry for the people who lost. I, for them, it's not a good day. But for a whole lot of people, it's a good day. The sad state of affairs that we're dealing with tonight in the nation's capital, Anderson, is that the, we, we have now witnessed the president of the United States operating outside the bounds of U.S. law and the tradition of what we know to be our democracy, which is the United States government does not use the military against civilians in this country unless there's a damn good reason. And this just wasn't a damn good reason. And well, also, all we ended up with was what the, the president of the United States looking like a wannabe dictator right. uh, so he could walk over to, over to a church and right. pretend to be concerned about the church. It was ju it's just a sad it's like, it's like it, it's like in some small country that's taken over by some low level lieutenant, you know, a low level colonel who gets on the airwaves, declares himself a law and order president. He was upset by coverage of the fact that he had been rushed to the underground bunker on Friday night oh during God. those protests that you saw breaking out here wow. in front of the White House. That is what sources are saying, Anderson, we that that was a part, in, we, what part of the decision. We are in trouble. So what does he have to do? He has to sick police on peaceful protesters so he can make a big show of being you know the little big man walking to a closed down church and then you know he always talks about the world laughing that the world are laughing at the governors right now they're not laughing at the governors they're standing in horror over what is happening they're all for peaceful protests except never the actual peaceful protest that's happening Colin Kaepernick, people taking a knee during a sporting event. No, 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 that's completely inappropriate. That's not the right kind of peaceful protest. A peaceful protest across from the White House, Lafayette Park, it's a federal land. Uh, that's why they can use uh, federal forces. No, that's not appropriate. I mean, 
I, I'm, I'm mystified by all these people who say they're for peaceful protests. Um, there's a national conversation going on right now about the proper place of symbols of the Confederacy, statues, memorials, names, and the, the president has repeatedly inserted himself into this debate. And I think a lot of people are trying to understand what his view of uh, memorializing the Confederacy is and the proper place of the Confederate flag. So a couple questions. One, does he believe, does President Trump believe that it was a good thing that the South lost the Civil War? And then two, is he interested in following NASCAR's example and banning the Confederate flag at his own events? Well, your first question is absolutely absurd. He's proud of the United States of America. Um, Jake, thank you very much. Um, I, I, I don't, David Axrod, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a president of the United States completely lacking in shame. I mean, just shameless and obesely immoral. I mean, th there's not a moral fiber in this man. Um, I don't know what came out of this debate. I don't know what side won. I don't know what voters want. But you cannot have watched that debate I, I would think and be proud of our president, the way he thinks of us as viewers, as Americans who are trying to decide about the future of the country. Can anybody come away from that debate knowing what Donald Trump wants for the next four years? Um, does this does any of this surprise you? Anderson. No, but to see it on the guy who was on that stage, this the guy who was on that stage tonight is the guy we've seen for four years. Rick Santorum predicted what he would do. The question is, Rick, whether he over-torqued it and went overboard. I would say way overboard, and I don't think that he is going to profit from this. I think Donald Trump may have ended his presidency tonight. But no, but it's not even it, funny. I mean, do you, not, are you actually proud look, I, of the president think, of the United States? I think the president overplayed his hand tonight. Look, I, here's, here's, here's what I saw on stage tonight. What I saw was a president who, uh, and he, and you can just hear it by him reciting the things that have happened to him throughout the presidency. This, this Durham report, all the things that are going on. He feels like he has been mistreated and, uh, and by the prior yeah, administration. All narcissists by, and all psychopaths I, I'm feel just telling that, you, he, but it's not, doesn't make it I, true. Number two, only three things happened for me tonight. Number one, Donald Trump refused to condemn white supremacy. Number two, the president of the United States refused to condemn white supremacy. Number three, the commander in chief refused to condemn white supremacy on the global stage in front of my children, in front of everybody's families. And he was given the opportunity multiple times to condemn white supremacy and he gave a wink and a nod to a racist nazi murderous organization that is now celebrating online almond poor and company is made possible by the anderson family fund sue and edgar wachenheim the third the cheryl and philip milstein family candace king weir the strauss family foundation bernard and denise schwartz charles rosenblum Jeffrey Katz and Beth Rogers. Additional support provided by these funders and by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to the program everyone. I'm Christiane Amanpour in London. 
This week, 82 years ago, Kristallnacht happened. It was the Nazis' warning shot across the bow of our human civilization that led to genocide against a whole identity. And in that tower of burning books, it led to an attack on fact, knowledge, history, and truth. After four years of a modern-day assault on those same values by Donald Trump, the Biden-Harris team pledges a return to norms, including the truth. And every day, Joe Biden makes presidential announcements about good governance and the health and security of the American people. While the great brooding figure of his defeated opponent rages, conducting purges of perceived enemies and preventing a transition. No democracy can survive unless the majority of people at least accept the same set of facts. And so here are some. According to a Reuters poll, nearly 80% of the American people, Republicans and Democrats, accept the result of the 2020 election. Yes, so far, Trump has won 72 million votes to Biden's 77 million. But no, there have been no serious protests on the streets contesting the result. While secretaries of state around the nation, Republican and Democrat, say there has been no meaningful fraud and they found nothing that would overturn the result. For this very moment that just happened in front of our eyes, why were we pretending otherwise? Open your eyes, America. Open your eyes. We are teetering on a dictatorship. We are te This is chaos. Has the president, I I'm listening, is the president declaring war on Americans? What is happening here? He's saying he wants to protect, he wants to protect peaceful protesters at the same time sending law enforcement and military into the streets to push peaceful protesters back, to be aggressive with peaceful protesters. He is doing the exact opposite of what he said in that speech. I think the president is playing a very, very dangerous game here. There are a lot of Americans who are out on these streets who are upset, who are frustrated, who are angry. Again, I am not condoning violence at, at, at all, and I hope that they remain peaceful, but I, and I, but I hope that they stand up and fight for their rights to peacefully protest in this country. But he's playing a very dangerous game because this will backfire. People are upset and they're angry. These people, as I have been saying as well, they feel like they are occupied in their own communities by police departments, many of them militarized police departments. Right. Now the entire country, according to his orders, we are living under a militarized country, or we will be soon, and it will play out in front of our very eyes on national television. 2020 was also the year of Big Brother. 543, it's now gone to 580 times. They censored the President of the United States. You don't have to like Trump. He's the POTUS. You can guarantee that Biden Co. will put out all their intersectionality bullshit, dog Christianity, put out all sorts of false facts. Because remember, we started this journey of Trump with facts, post-facts. We need truth and reconciliation now because of facts and shit. When did Obama factually speak? You can keep your doctor. That's all I got to say, and I win the argument. But Big Brother's overpowering reach into our lives from Google, who owns YouTube. Hell, I might get censored the moment I push this thing out. I mean, every step of the way from our media, print, digital, social, 
We had Big Brother telling you what you could think and what you could say. And it wasn't the normal stuff. It just wasn't intersectionality. It literally was down to the brass tacks of COVID. And I'll do another show probably on 2020 COVID. We played it in our last podcast. But just all the misinformation from the beginning to end, to go to Chinese restaurants and you stop people traveling, you're a freaking xenophobe, and then using it as a cudgel because you didn't stop it soon enough. I mean, those kind of things, I'm not supposed to do this on camera, my wife told me, are horrible when you break it down. Because as we saw in our last audio podcast, Whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask, which I do wear a mask and I wear gloves, just came from my pain appointment, I had gloves and mask on, the case level are the same. And when you compare it against H1N1, that had 61 million people and we stopped counting at 40,000 deaths because it was Obama. You can't say at any step of the way of COVID, it wasn't politics that ruled the day. It was an election year. I even speak to liberals who agree. Big Brother's going to be a a problem. But on top of it, sports. From BLM to every intersectionality thing they can think of, sports decided to be woke this year. And an article, 2020 Sports Media Replay, Police Pro-Lifers Republican Take Hit. In the second month of 2020, Alex Reimer of SB Nation, Outsports, gave to us the declaration that shameful war is taking place against transgender athletes. Now, I want to make sure you understand, I have met nobody other than super duper woke people that believe it's a good idea to have little kids competing when they still are full-fledged males. It's not wrong think, it's a fair think. But that was pushed from every sports outlet you can get your hands on. I have Bleacher Report, and I've seen articles in there. I mean, they pushed at us one time this year more BLM and pro-riot than they did anything else. The fifth month, Deadspin blogger Sam Fells gave us his remark. We know he'd, U.S. President Mitch McConnell, make it... U.S. Senate President Mitch McConnell, sorry, making a law to light your puppy on fire if he thought it would project the richest among us and keep Republicans in ascendancy. You know, I could go on on this, but it gives me to a side thought. That was an interesting take this year. If you really think about it, 2020 literally was the year that the Democrat Party became corporate but still ran out there pandering, we're here for the people. And conservative states became more about the people. If you want to really break it down, there has been no bigger destruction of small business than what just happened with COVID. I mean, they destroyed it while they made Walmart, Amazon, all the big companies, Costco, They made them super rich. The policies and procedures that have been rolled out by our media elites and the Democratic Party have hurt everybody. And if you think about the eight years of Obama, who really got hurt and who really benefited? Wall Street benefited. The little guy was hurt. 
And for those that are new, just stumbled across this, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Trumper. I'm an independent. I've been a Democrat and I've been a Republican. Little hands here, because it's really weird that you can't see my hands, but to get the whole picture and you can't have the hands. Um, I've been both, but both parties are garbage. The problem with the Democratic Party right now is that with the media, people think it's cool to be for a party who really doesn't give a shit about you. They don't care. They don't care if you're locked in your house forever. In fact, they want you to because if they can lock you in your house, they can change the whole form of government we have right now and be in charge forever. And that's all they really want is power. They're no different than Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi just say different freaking talking points. Which brings us to our first projection. And I can't do this all high speed without you seeing it. Because this doesn't have a pause button. I don't have pause on this. Which kind of sucks. I want to play this Jake Tapper soundbite. And it goes a little something like I this. That about Trump aides on CNN. I mean, there were times in 2017 when Kellyanne Conway was on this network all the time. Uh, I remember interviewing her a few times and feeling like each time it was less valuable. Like I was getting less of value and substance each time. Did you have similar experiences? And you How did he get a week? job? Uh, and of course, except for the weeks, the White House wouldn't provide any White House Trump administration guests. Did you feel like there were diminishing returns because you weren't getting the truth? Well, there are some people that are such, um, they're just so mendacious, I just wouldn't put them on Mendacious? Um, Kaylee McEnany, I, I never booked her. Uh, Jason Miller from uh, the Trump campaign, I would never book him. I mean, these are just people who just, they just tell lies the way that... You know, and boom, scene! I want you to really think about that, boys and girls. When, at any time... Has any, any, I mind you, administration not lied? Because we've talked about it a million times on the podcast, if you're new here. Folks, it's all statistics. I can run some spreadsheets to make you think it's okay to be on fire. That it's a good thing. It's all stats. But to say one side lies over the other side, to say one side projects over the other side, is where our media has gotten off track, like, big time. We just had a Speaker of the House not give a stimulus check because it would help the opposition. If Mitch McConnell would have done that, who's the guy they're trying to pin the tail of the donkey on, You know how bad that would have gone? I mean, really think about it. It would have been horrible. You would tune into CNN and he'd have more people in front of his house. Which is the byproduct of everything the media has done from Jump Street. The byproduct has been, we've had representatives beaten. We've had representatives have people at their house. And all CNN will do is cover one Democrat local official who gets a rough time for 20 people. They tried to kill people. They put Rand Paul in a freaking hospital and the media yawned. It reminds me of the time a baseball field got 
shot up by a guy who was a Bernie bro, and nobody seemed to care. They just didn't. So my plan was to project Mr. Cuomo, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna put Cuomo straight up so it's beautiful HD quality. Frito is a good way to end a bash on the politics, or excuse me, a bash on our media. Frito is in a Democratic Party. He's part of the Democratic establishment. He gets a show every night on CNN. He fakes COVID, breaks the rules on COVID, spread COVID. I mean, this guy did about everything you could do wrong. He still has a show. But we have everybody on the planet trying to take down Tucker Carlson. The only person I ever watch. Because he's a gateway drug to freaking white supremacy, they say. And people try and take down guys like Ben Shapiro. Calling him a white supremacist and shit. He's Jewish. But this guy, every night, gets to run his cock trap. You had video come out before we go to break, where you wanted to encourage people to get tested, and some people are afraid it's going to hurt. So you had video of it that I want to show the audience of you actually getting tested. Um, Here it is. There's you. You were kind of funny, and they were testing you. Um, Now, a few questions about this process. First of all, is it true that when you were having the test administered, you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and had to be released with a tool. Is that true? Just to, just to deal no, with the record. She, com- she, she wanted to comment that I have a little button nose mm. and she was afraid that the swab would actually hurt because it, it extended my uh, nasal cavity. The proboscis uh, issue. speaking about the delicacy of, of, the, nose. of the nose. And that's what, you know what, I understand. This is the normal swab I'm holding up here now for everybody at home. A very valuable object. There's only one company in the entire country that makes these up in Maine. All right, here's the swab. Is it true that this was the swab that the nurse was actually using on you and that at first... It went into your nose and disappeared so that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. See, I said I was going to be nice and sweet. I just want a yes, no. And was, I was it trying. this? I was trying. Or was it this? Very hard. Look, <laughs> which was it? <laughs> it is a sad day when we need curfews in our cities. America's major cities are filled with people demanding this country become more fair, more just, and ironically, more united. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets. Persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful, because I can show you that outraged citizens are the ones who have made America what she is and led to any major milestones. Be honest, this is not a tranquil time. They're not here to make power or you or me comfortable. They're here to yell, criticize, blame, and shame. You don't have to like it. But why not focus on remembering the reason 
for the pain that fuels their purpose. Police are the ones who are required to be peaceful, to de-escalate, to remain calm. They are, in fact, trained to do exactly that. So when one kneels on someone's neck for a long time and other police don't stop obvious deadliness, that's the problem. We can't be in a place where cops can act human and be forgiven, but citizens can have the same flawed responses and be justifiably killed or told to hold their tongues. Citizens have no duty to check their outrage or to ignore a curfew to keep doing that. They may get arrested because it's illegal, but that's their right as well. Looting, arson, violence. Now that's something else. Don't confuse that with protest or the people doing it with protesters. There are bad people mixed in with good people in these situations. That's the truth. We're learning it in every city. And when someone, after someone annoys you for a while, you know, you have your detractors, Chris, many of them on, on state television like I do. What's the best way to, to, to handle it? You just ignore it. Naked choke? No, just no. Just ignore Punch them. the sternum? The people, when you ignore people, that is the worst thing that you can do to anyone. Standing on the White House balcony, Trump was a human bioweapon, a WMD. It was immoral. And Chris Cuomo would know precisely how immoral it was because he has done it himself. This spring, Chris Cuomo got COVID. You may have noticed they did like 27 shows in a row about it. Cuomo told us he was quarantined in his basement. But let's be honest, there are only so many squats you can do in the mirror. It got boring after a while. So Chris Cuomo secretly left his house, took off his mask, oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, and wandered around the Hamptons. While wandering, he promptly ran into this man who wondered what the hell Chris Cuomo was doing and asked him so. And here's what happened next. And I just said, don't you have the coronavirus? Shouldn't you be quarantined? And um, I think his next words were, uh, what the hell do you know about this? What do you know about the rules? I said, you're not supposed to be out here. Nobody had gloves on. Nobody had masks on. Okay. So it turns out Chris Cuomo doesn't think he should have to wear a mask outside. Now, this is the point in the show where we wax outraged. He works on a rival network. We just can't believe he did that. We hate Chris Cuomo because he didn't wear a mask. But we're not going to tell you that. We're going to tell you the truth. It's fine that Chris Cuomo didn't wear a mask outside. We're not judging him. Masks are great. They have their place. Surgeons wear masks in operating rooms. People wear masks in elevators and crowded stores saying good for them. It probably helps. We've been arguing that for six months before the Surgeon General himself recommended masks. We thought, why would masks be a bad idea? So we're not against masks. We never will be. Chris Cuomo calls us immoral for doubting the rules. And then in private, he whips off his mask the second he can. Here are pictures of Chris Cuomo this weekend standing at a restaurant in Long Island, cigar in his hand, but no mask. Again, we don't judge Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo judges us. Chris, you know, you know I'm, I'm glad you, you, you take tips uh, on, on insults from, from, from other folks. Really? Look, Am I insulting oh, you, sir? Oh, yeah. Oh, so? oh, yeah, you are. And, you, and, so? and you're enjoying it. That's, that's I am funny. not enjoying you know, it at all. Chris, I'm not enjoying Chris, anything about this except having an opportunity for you to say the right thing at the right time. 
Chris, there was a time when CNN actually cared about being journalistic and talking about oh. facts. D Donald Trump broke you guys. I mean, you're just really? your entire show, your entire network mm. now is just how much you hate Trump. And, and really? Chris, I, fine, you hate the president. I, I do get not it. You, hate you, you the president. We, you are too smart to say something that Chris, stupid. Chris, I respect we, him we, as we, president. We, I want better for this country. I get that your show wants to attack Texas and Florida and Georgia because they have Republican governors. We have also had much, much lower death rates than many other parts of the country. And, 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 and it's, it's political, the attacks you're making. We've introduced actually legislation that, uh, in, the, in the Senate to create a tax credit for employers to test their employees what happened on a it? weekly basis. Why haven't you guys voted on it? Uh, well, the Democrats are blocking voting on everything. They've filibustered legislation multiple times. I, I don't think either Pelosi or Schumer actually want anything to pass. Mm. Are they, did they read they Green Eggs and Ham? Uh, by the way, have uh, they tried that one yet or no? They're saving that for you. <laughs> yeah, Chris, right? Do, do, do you actually want to talk substance? Or, or, <laughs> we are or talking insults? substance. I just like to call out the hypocrisy when it's there because uh, the I, audience heads stay on straight that way. Because they're uh, not uh, like, wait, uh, this is the Green Eggs and Ham guy. Is he talking about filibustering? You know, that's what this show is. <laughs> but I have to tell you, to cheapen it by saying, mm. I want to take political shots about COVID. You know I had it. You know my wife had it. You know my kid had it. You know I network with people all over this country who are still suffering with it. You know, I hate that kids aren't in school or your staff should have told you. I talk about it every night. It couldn't be less political for me. There is something disgusting that Democrats are doing, that mm -hmm. Joe Biden does and that you do, which is you try to blame the, the, the people who've lost their lives mm. on your political enemies. And, and, and that's just no. not right. It, it, it's, no. it's not right I'm at saying all. that when and you hear, two, when you hear 200,000 right. people die, you don't say it is what it is. I'm saying that when, but, but you know when what? you could it's have slowed it down not and you right, didn't, Chris, you when your it. brother has presided over the state mm -hmm. with the highest death rate in the country. I know your brother didn't want those oh, people yeah. to lose their lives, but you oh. shouldn't oh, play well, politics good. with so the So you attack. don't think he intentionally killed them? That's good. That's no, very of charitable course of you, not. Ted. Of course not. But Must I do think we can have a very reasonable policy discussion about the policy mistakes in New York and New Jersey of sending COVID positive patients into nursing homes. Mm. I think that was a that very serious all over the policy country, mistake. Right? That wasn't uh, no, the most vulnerable population. It's one of the reasons why you're, the death rate in New York is four times the death rate in Texas. Texas. the place where the governor was, said that you didn't need to test and you didn't need masks, right? Okay, and the president that, that, gave him a pat on that, the head. Was it a mistake when your brother implemented a policy that nursing homes had to accept COVID positive patients and endangered the lives of My tens brother of was the first one to say that there a was a learning curve and that mistakes were made and they changed things as soon as they could. Well, but then now, don't look, be a hypocrite I could write about that it. off then, then, as a political then, then don't claim, attack, right? And, and, I could and, ask and you I'm, I could ask look, you questions look, about only things that have to do with your family, but I'm not going to do that. They're not doing the lay layoffs in Florida because Florida opened Disney World. I mean, it, it's a clear contrast where Democratic politicians so you're in California that, have shut so, it down. So and they're laying cost off people, the people, people where they're jobs. out of business and not the place that they're in business. And you're saying that's political. No, I'm saying the oh, policies of Democrats to shut the economy down are bad policies that hurt people's lives. What do you and do the when people are getting are the sick? What do you do when people are getting sick, Senator, and you can't well, test you them? You don't send them and they into don't wear masks, homes. and you tell you them not to. You don't send them into nursing homes. Oh, so so the nursing homes was the sum total of the entire problem in the country. That's what well, it was. It, it, it led Seven to New York cases. having 33,000 deaths compared to Texas having 15,000 deaths. And Texas has 50 percent more population than New York does. And what about all the cases that they had? And how so many people got be, sick by be, the refusal to shut down businesses? You say you, know you want what? to open Our them up, but you won't discuss how. You say you introduced objective. a bill. 
but you won't talk about the president and his failure. The testing has to be done at the federal level, Ted. You know this. Well, you understand a little bit about state economics. You know the governor can't do it himself, right? Well, actually, governors have taken the lead and have had gr much greater success. Texas' record on every They've level is much, to. much better than New York and New Jersey and That's Massachusetts not true. Look at New and York's Pennsylvania. Numbers. Look at the rate every day of testing. 33,000 deaths puts versus 15,000 They were the hub of where people were coming. You guys want to celebrate China, you let in 40,000 people. It had already moved to Europe. So, so Chris, you let in tens of thousands of people. They went to the hubs. That's does why we got so sick. Does it trouble you at all that New York and New Jersey had the highest death rates in the of country? Course, does, that, does that make you pause and say, It all troubles me, Ted. And to watch but, but, guys but, like you stand by Chris, and stroke your beard you like think, a wise man instead of telling Chris, the president to get on it when you Chris, have power. How about tell your brother problem. to get on it? My how brother will stand for his own record. Why don't you talk to the president the way you talk to my brother, Ted? You afraid of him? You think he'll smack you down at home? Oh, is that yeah. what it is? I'm like he's shutting you up in the, the primary? Cuomos. You, you guys not are the really Cuomos. tough. I'm talking about the president. My brother's not the president. <laughs> Raising fine. my voice to match your own because you, you want to play games, Ted, and, and people okay. are dying. That, that, you just want to repeat insults over and over and over again. Oh, but like, you're not. Actually talk about you just bring up my for brother for half the interview because you're such a fair guy. Well, you play no, it so you, straight you, down you, the middle. You, you, were right? you were just playing in a biased way, attacking Because the president's Texas, not Florida, at the top Georgia, of the food chain. Coincidentally, happened to be Republican. I uh, feel better. I'm scared by this. Um, I'm, scared, I'm scared by the potential of this. And it frustrates me because I can't get out of this basement. Um, I still have this low-grade fever. I can't shake it. And I know everybody tells me it's gradual, it takes time, it's anywhere between... Uh, you know, two to three and a half weeks. Um, but it is maddening to have this little stupid fever, this 99, nine and a half fever. The body aches are better. My breathing's getting better. It's getting stronger. And I am a metaphor, Sanjay, for the country where not just the, the face of how people are sick, there's a whole range. I'm saying I'm ready to get out of the basement. I'm sick of being sick. I've had it. I want to get back to work, but I'm not ready. And I don't have a plan to be ready. Yeah. That's where we are right now. And it's like the president saying, no, I'm good. Get out, Chris. Go do your job. You're good to go. I'll get people sick. Very rare for a family to be one and done. Um, Christina now has uh, COVID. She is now positive. And it just breaks my heart. It is the one thing I was hoping wouldn't happen. And now it has. Does, Chris. And again, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're living some of this. I, I imagine, and I, I apologize, I didn't hear the entire conversation earlier, but Christina, I don't, I, you don't know how she, she contracted this. I mean, it's hard to know. You'd have to actually do all sorts of tracing. All right, here it is. The official re-entry from the basement, cleared by CDC, a little sweaty, just worked out, happens. This is what I've been dreaming of, literally for weeks. My wife, yeah, right. She was cleared by the CDC. She doesn't have fever. She doesn't have the symptoms anymore. More than seven days from her quarantine. We're still a little scared, so I'll just give you one of these. 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 Bella has, of course, taken the video. This is the dream. Just to be back up here doing normal things. That dude, seriously, you know, you can say a lot about Acosta. You can say a lot about seltzer everybody who's listened to my podcast for five years knows i freaking hate chuck todd he ruined the greatest show ever i watched it since i was a little kid but frito man that guy's useless he's just useless the COVID alone 
if he was a Fox guy would have got him fired. But every night he goes on and spews a special kind of hate because it's beyond Trump. That entire network and MSDNC goes after voters because on the left side of the spectrum, they've lost the theory of what America is. I'm on this corner talking about A, you're on that corner talking about B, respect that you can think B, and you respect I can think A. For those that know anything about me, catch up on my podcast, but the reality is I've been all over this country. It's when I changed from being a liberal, because it's huge. When I first came to the South, I looked down on everybody around me because I lived in Oregon, and that's what I was taught. But every part of this country has different norms, values, beliefs. Some people, religion is big. Some places, they're not religion. Religion is not big. And there's different types of religions. As we learned today, our vice president all of a sudden found Kwanzaa. Even though Kwanzaa wasn't even invented when she was a kid. Go figure that crap out. We'll cover it in depth on the podcast, which we'll start recording after this. But this is our first one. I know it's a really kind of boring podcast. It's what I would have put out on a podcast, probably talked a little more. But this is baby steps. I'm still trying to work out all the stuff. Like, you know, this is supposed to freaking be on repeat and it keeps shutting off. I don't know why. I'm using my laptop. It doesn't want to play with me. I keep getting my head in there. That kind of sucks. The boot's a little small. I'm going to move this to the left. But I wanted to baby step into a YouTube to be able to film every once in a while. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Once again, it'll, it'll be made into a doggone audio file and be put on SoundCloud after today's podcast. But I hope you kind of enjoyed it. Get to put a face with the voice for those that have been listening for so long. Because I don't know everybody that listens and I don't get all the data. Because SoundCloud kind of sucks. You can find this by going to Fop Tony Reed on Twitter. And I've linked it. Uh, the search function from this is really not coming up. Because as we know, the algorithms are made for liberals. Not you and me. So this wraps up our very first YouTube podcast. Please share it with your family and friends. If you want to put input on it or tell me I totally suck or I have a big head, which I do, you can send an email to flyoverpolitik with the K at Outlook.com. You will find this on SoundCloud, YouTube, and audio form, format, of course, on SoundCloud. And also on audio, down Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, my favorite app. Tune in, the whole nine yards. It's out there everywhere. We're going to do another one of these bad boys on the, uh, what did I say, the 3rd of January, Sunday's podcast, instead of being audio, it'll be video. Once again, I hope you found it. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast today, but once again, just go to Fop Tony Reed on Twitter going forward, and that's when I'll say, and, and I guess i got to say also, because I'm new to this, hit the subscribe button, subscribe button, it's there, so you know when we put one out. But I'll talk about it on the SoundCloud, and I'll talk about it over here. I'm going to feed both of them the same stuff, so to speak, and I hope you enjoy it. So, going to move on over, shut off the camera, put a big dip in, go back to scratching. But thanks for joining me for the very first one. I promise they're going to get better. I'll work out all this stuff, and it will be an experience with different subjects from the audio show.
As always, thanks for listening and viewing. Excuse me. Thanks for viewing and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FopTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down, the patriots of this country will never bow down.